So the big matchup, one of these some great matchups Sunday, but listen, the balance of power mm-hmm. in the NFC, NFC East showdown, Eagles, Cowboys. First, how do you how do you suss this out? You know, so you know, Sunday night in Philly, you know, the first thing the Cowboys have to do is honestly handle the atmosphere. You you I mean, you know, cuz like this is the game of the year in Philly. Yeah. Cowboys coming to town. It's the biggest game. Yeah. Period. Now, they got to go play Kansas City. It's a rematch of the Super Bowl. This is the biggest game for the fans. It's right here on Sunday night. It's a late game. It's national TV. The Eagles win. They go to 8-1. and one. They have command of the NFC East. The Cowboys win. They're right on their heels. And basically, it's tied. They they have a – the Eagles will get a bye after this week. So, you know, they'll, they'll play the same amount of games. But, you know, honestly, to me, the Eagles are playing great football. They, they look, they're giving up way too many points. And so I'm worried about the secondary in Philadelphia right now. I know Kevin Byer came, but, you know, they, they haven't found a nickel yet to handle the guys inside. We've seen both Slay and Bradbury get beat over the top um, at times. And so to me, if Dak can get their passing game going, like it did last week against the Rams with, with CD catching 12 balls, like if they get the passing game going and they can protect long enough, uh, against a good front of the Eagles, like they got a chance in this game. Yeah. Listen, I think it's a great game. I, I think it's a really good matchup. It, it, the Cowboys are interesting because they can look so good, yes. but there's a bit of front runner in them. Like when when all of a sudden the game gets tight, that's when some mistakes happen. But either they'll jump all over teams. We see them done a couple times. Well, they, you know, like if you look at last week, Deron Bland gets a pick six. Yeah, Sam Williams blocks a punt. You know, it's through the end zone to safety. You know, if you look at them against, you know, some other teams, you know, like the the Giants early on, like they get all these defensive touchdowns, these big splash plays, and it just steamrolls. And that's kind of how they've gone. But when they get into, you know, a good team, San Francisco, they could look awful. Yeah. You know, and so it's been sort of hot or cold for them right now. Yeah, it's interesting because they threw that horse, like the front runner that needs to lead the whole time. Well, they, nobody's the had, nobody has more takeaways in this league than the Cowboys over the last two and a half years. Like, they lead the league by a wide margin. And then you get, you know, when Micah Parsons is splashing, you know, and the Eagles have done a good job of just sort of neutralizing Micah Parsons. But they're moving them all over the place. Deron Bland over there at the right corner for Trayvon Diggs has been outstanding. Um, they've got great team speed. But can they handle a team that just wants to pound you? Like, that still needs to be, like, that still need. you know, the Arizona Cardinals beat them. They ran for 222 yards. Yep. Like if you, you know, if you can run the ball right at him, it it always in any in any matchup in the NFL when you can run at a team that has great team speed, you neutralize that speed. Well, you talk about negating Micah. I mean, that's what they do. And 
This Eagle team, this is what's so impressive. This is why I do love, I love Sirianni mm-hmm. because I, I love his mindset. And the mindset is we're going to just shove it right down your throat. And then we got you off balance. And then I could use all my other toys mm-hmm. AJ Brown, Devontae Goddard. You know, they keep everybody off balance with that run game. Well, you know, look, it's the strength of the team. You know, we, we talk about, you know, what Howie Roseman's done. They're just big and strong in the trenches. Last week, Sua Petta goes out for six or seven plays. Tyler Steen, the rookie, comes in. I mean, just steps right in and next to Lane Johnson, and they didn't skip a beat. And so you just don't see these dips when guys get hurt or guys get, you know, get out of the lineup. And so it's a credit to how they get the next guy ready to go, especially in right deep in the trenches. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too, like some of this creativity. We talked a little bit about off of the tush push, uh, the brotherly shove, running a sweep off of that. Yeah, well, they, you know, they pitched it at DeAndre Swift. And so, you know, I, I kind of, like I know it has different names. I like the Philly Surge because I feel like it's the Surge. I like that. You know, yeah. and so you call it a bunch of different things. But, yeah. like, you got to have change-ups. Yeah. You just can't say, okay, we're just going to run the same play over and over. They have tried it in other times. It hasn't worked. But, you know, I tell people, and I remember talking to Jeff Stoutland about this, the offense line coach, a couple weeks ago. You know, even before Jalen came and they started, you know, the tush-push with Nick Sirianni, like when Carson Wentz was the quarterback here, they were 34-36 on quarterback sneaks. Like, it all starts with Kelsey. Like, that's the constant, that's the constant from that era um, with, with Carson and Doug Peterson to what they're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, what's really, I think, uh, impressive about their run game is they're doing this with Jalen. He's got a bad wheel. Yeah. And the fact that all those RPOs that they ran, that, like now they're running it with swift, more pure run plays. Well, they can do that. And the RPO is a big part of their offense. They hit a couple last week to A.J. Brown of just a run fake. You're just sort of holding the defense, letting the linebacker step up and open up a clean window. And they do a lot of, you know, it used to be just sort of uh, uh, the RPO was just kind of give, throw. And right now, like the throws, they've got a variety of different routes that they can run off that. It used to be just a quick slant, but they have a lot of different ways to get the ball down the field. All right, so a couple things. One, Professor Baldy will explain some of that in a little bit. But I got to ask you, we talk about this rivalry. We have Jaws coming up in a little bit. What, you played in it. Yeah. You, you were you were here in Philadelphia at the vet. I gotta right? tell you, I gotta tell you that like my first game as an Eagle was in 1992, and it was a Monday night game at the vet against the Cowboys, and both teams were three and zero. Wow, I had to be outrageous. So like I, you know, like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it that night. But I, I remember, I'll never forget this. Our backup quarterback was Jim McMahon. And so Jim had four kids. His oldest son was Sean. He turned 10 on that day. And McMahon had gone out and bought his son a remote-controlled truck. So he wanted, as I remember, Vaisikahama, myself, McMahon, we go down the field, and he wants to use this. He wants to play with the truck just to see how it works. So he puts the batteries in. We go down the field. And while we go down the field, there's Jimmy Johnson with the hairspray and the hair, and he's pacing the field, cuz. He's going up and down the field. He's got his nerves are like like this, right? And so you can feel 
the intensity. Like the fans are out there. They're in the seats. It's Cowboys. It's The lights are just brighter than they've ever been at Veteran Stadium. And there's McMahon, and he's sick in the truck on Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> like a dog, right? Like he's he's coming at him full speed with this truck, and Jimmy's kicking the thing out of the way. <laughs> and, like, he, it's, it's, it's knocking him off. We're cracking up. Like he has no idea who's doing this and where the truck is coming from. And McMahon can't be. And it, it, it said to me, I, I learned everything about this team in Philly that day. The looser they were, the better they played. Huh. When Reggie and Clyde and Seth and McMahon, like when they were just loose, they were like big little kids. And so we, you know, we go out there like Stepnowski's the center, like Troy throws an interception. They like Clyde Simmons, he knocks Stepnowski out. I mean, that early. was the and that was the famous from our perspective, not the infamous, the famous where they just pounded they it. Pounded. You guys pounded that D line just ate Troy up. He he always references that. Well, it was it was one of those games. It wasn't quite the body bag game right. for Troy, but they carried Stepnowski out of the game. You know, like he he didn't return. He was knocked out, and you know we we thumped them that night. And you know, the, it was like almost a parade going through Philadelphia. Sending the Cowboys on their way. Of course, the you know, as fate has it, we would win a playoff game in New Orleans that year and go to Dallas for the divisional championship game. And Dallas did the exact same thing to us. Yeah. Like yeah. Troy was just we got hit with a major snowstorm in Philadelphia. We watched you guys. That was that game. I remember, I remember that. So it was, you know, Troy came Troy was just money when it came to the playoffs. And like it didn't matter, like Novacek, third and thirteen. You got Seth covering Novacek. Third and 13, there's a perfect throw to Novacek with Seth hanging all over him and uh, for 14 yards and a first down. We, I think we scored first, but, you know, they, they ran us out of the gym that day. Ended up winning their first Super Bowl. All right. I wanted to do this, and it's spinning the wheel of fate. Yeah. Now, when we spin the wheel of fate, it goes to any game during the course of a rivalry. So, we earlier... We were in the office watching film like we do. We spin it, and it comes up. Yeah. Eagles-Cowboys 2018. Okay. Dak, right? Yeah. Young Dak against Young Carson. Carson. Yeah. Now, this game was amazing. 37 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It, went, it goes to overtime. Yeah. And so we're watching, and – well, the he, he, he start with the Carson play, yeah, where he hits Aguilar because this throw. It, I mean, the Eagles have the ball at the you see at the forty five yard line of the Cowboys. Yep. He, Carson's standing right on the star, you know, there at uh, you know AT and T Stadium, Texas Stadium, whatever it is. And Carson, like, he doesn't change the play, but you get Nelson Aguilar one on one. That it's it's kind of a a man free look where it's. Uh, a man-to-man right here, and Aguilar gets behind the corner, and Carson drops this ball. You can't throw it any better. There's the Aguilar is running out of sideline, and he drops it over his outside shoulder, away from the corner. I mean, look at it. It's 42 yards, and it's inside the two-yard line. It's a coughing corner punt of yeah. a throw. Like it's, it's unbelievable throw. First of all, Aguilar, great separation. He gets separation on his man. And now Carson comes back. He comes back, and they had a penalty. They get backed up a little bit. And, you know, Doug Peterson has one of these shifts. And there's Darren Sproles right next to him. 
and they got a twin set to the left down at the bottom. And Carson reads it perfectly. And all they're trying to do is just clear out space. You see the Cowboys, they've got, we call this uh, 10 toes. So you've got literally every single player on the Cowboys is right on the goal line. They're defending the goal Toes line. on the goal line. Toes on the goal line, right? And so Carson throws it underneath to Sproles. Sproles squares up against Leighton Vanderesh. Look at that movie, mate. So like, he got, hey, juke left. There's a yeah. quick little step like left. Like only Sproles could do. And, and, and he did, splits the two defenders wow. to get it into the end zone. That would send it into overtime. That sends that that play right there in the final two minutes sends the game into overtime, right? And then in overtime, let's watch Dak here. Dak right here. It's it's basically zero coverage, and the Cowboys are going to have like the Eagles have a free hitter coming right at Dak, right at Dak right here, and he gets the ball, and Rasul Douglas is on Amari Cooper one on one. The oh. ball gets. Flipped up into the air by Rasul. Oh, no, it's great coverage. It's great coverage. And look at Lamar's eyes. Like, he comes down with the tip ball, and he turns around, and there's nobody there oh, except the end zone. Oh, to it's win it great in overtime. coverage. Amari yeah. makes it. Look at, look, look at it, Rasul. Yeah, it Rasul's like, no, I had a chance for a pick. No. And Amari walks into the end zone to win that game. And oh. the celebration was on in Dallas. Wow. Wow, the wheel of fate. So yeah. let's let's talk about the wheel of fates. Well, first of all, how does Carson go from that where he? I mean, that throw is one of the two great plays. Yeah, I, and he's money too. Right? They're down in that game, and that drive sets up the game tying touchdown inside two minutes. Yeah, like we talk about having ice and being clutch. He was clutch. Yeah, what happened to that guy? You know, it was uh, it's it. I don't want to say that drafting Jalen just put this like bug inside of them, like they don't believe in me. They had just paid him. He just got a second contract, the whole thing. They draft Jalen with the 53rd pick as sort of an insurance policy because Carson had these injuries. Yeah. We got to get the next guy up. I mean, Howie wasn't doing it to like ruffle him, but he, he took it. I don't know if he took that, but his mechanics fell apart because. Well, that's the only thing. You bring up like the second play to Sproles that you yeah. dissect, right? And it, it's a great play call. You said he sees there's nothing to the left on the twins, and he knows, all right, the play's going to go to the right, but he looks, he looks okay. everybody off yep. like the way he should, and then goes to Sproles to get him the space that he needs to execute the play. Like, that's sight. Yeah. What, what happened? Like, how does a quarterback lose that? I mean, I get hits and. You know, he had the injuries, he had the knee, he had the back. He had those things that knocked him out of 2017 at the end of 2018. You know, like he really couldn't finish the season with the bad back. But like, you know, once he, once he sort of, not, and I'm not saying because Jalen came, but that year his mechanics were terrible. Not bad. Horrible. Like he's throwing off his back foot for no reason. He's fading away. And, you know, the ball, like you got to have mechanics for the ball to go where you want it to go. And he, like, either they stopped coaching him on it, he stopped listening to the coaching on it, but when the mechanics go, the ball doesn't go where you want it to go. And it, it followed him. It followed him to Indianapolis. It followed him to Washington. And then, you know, if you're not productive on the field, at any position, but especially quarterback, your teammates stop following you. They stop following. And even though physically he was a cyborg, he was just bigger, stronger, yeah, if you could run, you could, you could do all of it. 
even though he was like that and he had the toughness built in, like, you know, he just had no poise in the pocket, any sort of color. Like he was just running out of there. He was just over dramatic rather than just like a boxer in the middle of the ring, just pairing a punch, just side up doing a Brady, just sidestepping, just feeling the pressure without really reacting to it. He just overreacted to pressure in the pocket. And it's almost like, I mean, we talk about the propensity to play hero ball, which he, he always had. had. But, man, I like you bring up not seeing things. There was a game against Carolina, and he doesn't see the linebacker right in front of him. And, it, and I remember thinking, what is that? Like, how do you not see that? And you see how great he looks here. And the ultimate is, look, Baldy, it's Prescott, Jalen, and Carson's out of the league. Dak is thriving. No, but like P.J. Walker starting this week. And Taylor Heineke is starting this week. Yes. And like, you go, how is it, you know, and you've got, you know, the Raiders can't find a quarterback. And all these teams, like we're playing all these backup quarterbacks and there's Jordan Love struggling like crazy in Green Bay. You just go through the league right now. And, you know, Clayton Toon is starting in Arizona. And Carson is sitting home right now playing, you know, super dead. What what happens to a quarterback? How come did, – did you think that – look, we know in Indianapolis they couldn't wait to get rid of him. It, it, was there a thing where, you know, he could ever rehabilitate his career? I, still young. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm watching that point. He's still young. It's yeah. a I mean, wild story. Somebody's going to have to give him a chance. I mean, he's kind of, you know, looked bad in three different spots three years yeah. in a row. And so teams, you know you, – you, you talk to a John Filippo, who's a quarterback coach in Philly, and John's been around the league, and John read him the riot act his, you know, after his rookie year, look, if you want to get better, these are the things you got to do. You know, like, you know, even a guy like uh, Jalen Hurts, like he went and got work. He, he went and worked in the offseason on his mechanics. And Mike McCarthy is a stickler on the mechanics. And the quarterbacks that, that grow and sustain excellence – the mechanics always win for him. All right. The other aspect, we talk about Dak. And let's look at the Cowboys, uh, the other side of the ball, and Micah. What makes Micah so great? Like, I I, I love watching him. I mean, he just is a wrecker, game wrecker. And what makes him so great? You know, it's funny. I've, I've become good friends with Micah. And the one thing... Like, he was a wrestler in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He was a great wrestler. And great and wrestlers just have unbelievable ability to stay on their feet. You can't knock Mike off his feet. His balance yeah. is maybe his greatest attribute. So it could be turning the corner, you know, just bending and turning the corner like on a pass rush. And a lot of guys would just face plant. They would lose their feet. He never loses his feet. And then he has unbelievable, maybe the best closing speed of any player in the league. So if he if he rushes over the center, like say he's over Kelsey you know, on Sunday, and he beats Kelsey on the edge, and Jalen sees it, he starts running. Like, as fast as Jalen is, um, Mike is going to catch him. He's going to get a hit on him. Because if at some point, if Jalen throws the ball, he's got to set his feet to throw it, or he's got to slow down to throw it, and Mike is going to hit him. So he's got unbelievable closing speed. And then his he, they're moving around to get matchups right now. So uh, so that that favors him. 
But I just think his closing speed, his balance, and then his just his tenacity is second to none. Yeah, he's a jungle cat. I mean, well, well also like, football IQ. He's got he's he got, knows the game too. Yeah, bro. but like you know, like he like this year he spent a lot of time in a weight room. He gained ten pounds. He wanted to get stronger. So if he goes up against you know Lane Johnson this week, like he wanted some more power to be able to get a runway of speed up to like penetrate and back lane up more. But then he you know he hired um, Andrew Whitworth this year to go work with him in certain things like uh, on pass sets and reading pass sets and understanding the pocket and quarterbacks with pocket presence. Like he picked Andrew Whitworth's brain for a month this offseason, wanting to be better. Uh, I, I love that. I, I love watching him, just watching him play. He is that, you know, panther. Yeah. Like when you just watch him, well, he calls you can't take your hungry. eyes off him. Well, he's the hungry lion. He is. You know, That's, and, yeah. and he, you know, and he, you know it's, it's way more than just stats. Like his ability to affect plays, yeah. to free up other guys, he needs help. Yeah. Like you know, Tank Lawrence is playing better this year. Um, they drafted Mozzie Smith. Like, look, if they had Jalen Carter, like if they had Jalen Carter in that defense, they'd be the best defense in football. Oh my! And the fascinating matchup is going to be uh, Carson's. Let's say uh, Jalen and AJ Brown and Dak. And, and C.D. Lamb. That's going to be incredible to see those pairings. Well, if you had your notebook out, you would just chart the number of targets, oh, number I, of catches. And I will be doing that on yeah. Sunday like a loser. <laughs> I'll be doing that. I can't wait. Yo, look who it is. Hey, Josh. What's up, brother? The great Ron Jaworski. Listen, Eagles, Cowboys. I mean, you're, I just think NFC Championship game 1980. Well, I just have that in my mind, how cold it was that day. Wilbur Montgomery running through the Cowboys' defense. Take us to it, Jaws. Jaws, set us up for the championship game. The 80 championship game, When we think about Eagles-Cowboys, man, it's you. It's that. Like, I I just, we all love it, man. We're talking about this great rivalry, and, and that was the apex. Yeah, actually, Anthony, it started really before that game. That was the kind of the culmination. You got to remember, you know, when Vermeil came to Philadelphia in 76, they hadn't been to a playoff game in 16 years. 1960, when the Eagles won a championship, they, they weren't in, in the playoffs at all. So Dick came in 76, I came in 77. And the minute I got there, the only thing I heard from Dick Real was the best team in football, the best organization in football were the Dallas Cowboys. And that was the, the benchmark for what we wanted to be. We're, if we are going to be a championship team, we're going to be a winning football team. The goal had to be to surpass the Dallas Cowboys. So every year we'd come into training camp, and those two games were circled on on, on the schedule right in the locker room. So you knew the impetus was on the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, it wasn't out of this hate that people call it right now. It was out of total respect. Dick respected Tom Landry. He respected the organization. So he knew that if we were going to you know, reach the goal that we had to strive to achieve, we had to beat the Dallas Cowboys. So, and finally, that did game in, you know, 15 below zero, Veteran Stadium, uh, January 11th, 1981. I right slot split, 47, 47 slant. Wilbur hits that little cutback link, 42 yards to the touchdown. You can still remember the play, Jaws. Oh, yes. I, I, I still remember that play because the crowd was absolutely going bonkers. And kind of right after that point, I really felt, I, I can say now, I knew we were going to win, but I really felt at that point, you know, we got we wanted to play with the lead on them, and, and we got the lead and made a big difference. So, and 
uh, we ended up winning the football game. Now, we, we didn't have to carry over the Super Bowl, but it was certainly a great win against the Dallas Cowboys. Charles, I, I heard Ray Dittinger do a piece. Might have been this week. Maybe it was a, a piece that had been taped a long time ago. And, you know, he was covering the Eagles, you know, on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. Got to know, obviously, Vermeil yeah. really well, all that stuff. But he said Dick used to bring up the Cowboys all the time as the benchmark. And I, I don't know if it, if it drove, you, drove you guys crazy, but, like, that that culmination in the championship game in 1980 there, it was like that was Vermeil's speech. Like, oh, here we go, another Cowboys thing. He goes, we're, we're going to, like, he was going to turn it or You guys are going to turn this whole thing around. Like you know, that day. Yeah. It, it, what's kind of interesting, Baldy, you know, and, and looking back in, in hindsight, I still have my playbook from the 1980 season. And, you know, <laughs> I still have, I still have the entire playbook. Don't ask me how I got it. But, you know, You're sick, Jaws. I got the playbook. And, That's and, the greatest. <laughs> in the front of the book, you know, the coach always puts the goals for the team. Yeah. Blah, 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 short range goals, long range goals, long-term goals, you know, blah, 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 blah. All yep. the things we got to accomplish, you know, numbers we got to achieve. And coach Friel is obviously a big stat guy. We had, you know, how we, how, he would say we got to win, but here's how he how we win. He laid out the game plan of how we're going to win. Run the ball 40 times a game. You know, all those things, control the clock for, you know, 35 minutes yep. a game. But all those things were our goals. It started out, and this, I look back at this, and this it, it, it just bugs me for whatever reason. His goal for the season was win the NFC championship. Think of wow. that. Wow. That was the goal. It wasn't to wow. win. The, you know, again, we were an ascending team, and I think he maybe felt, okay, Win the NFC Championship. But hey, if we get the Super Bowl, you know, we, we may win it, we may lose. But we were such a driven team by goals. You know, we wanted to get X amount of yards per pass, X amount of yeah, dropbacks. Yeah. All, all the, we were a very goal-oriented team. And Dick will tell you, in, in St. Louis and Kansas City, it was the same way. Very goal-oriented. You know, to come in Monday, to go over every goal that you had. But our goal for that year was not to win the Super Bowl. It was to win the NFC Championship. And we did. Yeah. So I almost think in my mind, because we were such a goal-oriented team, if that number one goal would have been win the Super Bowl, I believe we would have won. Now, that's hindsight. It's maybe my right. wishful thinking, but that's kind of how we were driven. What, what is it about that star, Jaws? I mean, it, it, it's been, you know, think about it. Like, from when you had that moment through today, that rivalry, it still matters. That star still means something here that geeks us up for Sunday. You know, well, Bali knows it. I had my office at NFL Films for 28 years. And I would see Steve Stable probably, you know, every day. He'd come <laughs> in the office. That's how Steve, when he was alive, he was peeked in the office to tell stories. Yep. I'm one of the greatest human beings you'd ever want to meet. Okay. And every time I see him, you know, Steve, I'm still pissed at you. You coined that term, America's team, the star, the Dallas Cowboys. You know, it still pisses me off that you did that, Steve. <laughs> Yo, Jaws, it's, uh, it, it's kind of uh, fascinating to me when I – see Wilbert Montgomery, if I see, you know, Harold, you know, if I see the, the, the stars from that team back then, like it's, I still see that game in my head, Jaws, that day where you were underdogs, Wilbur goes off, yep. you have a great game. It's like it, 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 you know, and then I think about you in all these games, Jaws, I feel like if they dug up Veteran State, <laughs> there'd be parts of you planted in a stadium for Randy White hitting you. On the backside, they still show that. Skin is still out. They still show that highlight, Jaws. But you know, hey, but but prior to that game, we we it was so cold in Philadelphia. We went and practiced that week in Tampa, at Tampa's facility because we we couldn't even practice. It was so cold up here. Wow. So we were kind of hunkered down, and it's it's kind of nice because you know, championship weekend, the media is everywhere. Blah blah. blah. We were kind of almost like training camp, hunkered down, and 
you know, we had lockdown and bed check and all that stuff. So we were really focused, but we got back to Philadelphia. I mean, it was the wind chill at kickoff was 15 below zero. Two hours before the game, you know, I'm one of those guys that likes to get out early, get loosened up and throw a few balls and check the turf and the shoes, blah, blah, blah. There were garbage trucks <laughs> running up and down the field. I mean, sanitation department of Philadelphia garbage trucks going up and down the field, breaking up the ice that was on the field. Where the hell would you see that in today's game? <laughs> no, it was, I, it was, I, it was the first game I was ever at. I was with right? my father. Uh, we oh. were under his green army blanket <laughs> in the 600 level at the vet. And I, that day, I was so bitter. I mean, I can I can remember the cold, just being all bundled up, and the, those fans, like dudes in front of us, with, had no shirts on, and you like those were your people, Jaws. Like oh. that, then oh my god, that was that was your that was your people. If we're coming off the field, they got the shirts off, the Eagles green painted on their chest, and I know some of those people had to go to the hospital after that game. I they had to. It was so damn cold. <laughs> How, how do you see Sunday, Jaws? How, how do you how do you see this this matchup? You know, it, it's so interesting because you look at you know Parsons and uh, how the Eagles have done a pretty good job against him. And how, how do you kind of break this one down? It, it's kind of interesting because I, I think that they have played made Mike Parsons play to his weakness. If you go back to last year's games, they ran a lot of those zone reads. You know, and they 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 really froze Micah Parsons. They made him stop moving his feet. His biggest strength is quickness, agility, athleticism. But if you take that away from him, you can neutralize him, and they did in that game. So I say that because Jalen's got a knee issue right now. You know, no one really knows the extent of it, but he's got a knee problem. He's obviously not as mobile as he was. I, I doubt if we'll see many of those zone reads in this game where Jalen we put in harm's way. So, you know, that will negate some of Jalen's ability, but it's forced him to play quarterback a little bit better, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's staying in the block a little bit longer. Earlier this year, I, I was I – was, in my own mind, I was upset with Jalen because I want to see the next step in his growth. He's a phenomenal football player, but I want him to see play better from the pocket. That's what I want to see from him. Yeah. And, and to me, early in the season, he took a step backwards. He wasn't staying in the pocket. He was moving his feet a little bit. He's throwing off balance, throwing too many interceptions, making mistakes. Last couple of weeks, he's been phenomenal. So I think he's calmed down. And I believe the fact that he can't you know, use that running ability, he's going through his progression and getting the ball out of his hands quicker. It might, it might really be a blessing in disguise jaws yep, because I, I do I, I do think he was leaving the pocket too early early in the season and it's hard for an offensive lineman you know I played with Randall you know and Randall wanted to take off you know if you don't know where the quarterback is going to be it's kind of hard to set your protection but on the other side jaws nobody studies quarterbacks like you've been studying quarterbacks jaws when you look at Dak Prescott what do you like what do you think he needs to do better jaws for them to take that next step in Dallas. Well, when, when he gets the coverage that the play is, is called to attack, he is very, very, very good. He's very good against man coverage. And of course, man coverage always exposes itself quick, so it's easier for the quarterback to read that coverage. I mean, he may be the best quarterback in the league right now. In fact, I do some stats that show that against man coverage, he is the best in the NFL. Wow. So that's going to put, some, that's gonna put some, some onus on the Eagles' defense. Play a little more zone, mix it up. The skies are covered, but that presents the next problem. The Eagles secondary, you know, who's going to be out there playing a play? They're, it's every, very, every very much different. A very, so, you, you know, Sean Desai has really been handcuffed and doing a lot of different things because the change in personnel in that secondary. So that presents a major problem. Where you get Dak in trouble is quick pressure. So I think this is where I think the Eagles might have an advantage is uh, this defensive line is arguably one of the best in football. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think it's playing up to their ability yet, but I think it has the, the upside to be one of the best defensive lines in football. So you, I, I think the key is get pressure on Dak early. Try to try to blitz him early. He, he doesn't handle the blitz pressure really well. But then again, if he does read the blitz, get the ball to his hand, you got a chance for a big play. So that's, that's a fine line. Because everybody always says, hey, we want Buddy Ryan blitzing and blah, 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 all that crazy stuff. But that's a high risk, high reward, obviously, when you get to the quarterback. If you don't, the chance to give up a big play. And when you got Jalen Carter. Like C.D. Lamb. Lamb is playing great football. And I always talk about chemistry between a quarterback and a wide receiver. And I you know, I was lucky to play with a Mike Quick, a Harold Carmichael, you know, the Dupers down at Duper and Clayton down in Miami when I was down in Miami. So I played with a lot of really quality receivers. And that chemistry is so important. And now you see it in C.D. Lamb and Dak really have that seeing the field through the same eyes. I, I feel like, Charles, if you talk about the quarterback-receiver relationship, Obviously, what Jalen's doing with A.J. right now almost looks indefensible. And when I always feel like when C.D. gets involved early and stays involved and Dak can get him the ball, their offense just opens up. Yeah, it's always that way. And there's no – I'm actually shocked. You know, you do a ball, you know, you and I are wonks for the tape study. And, you know, by, by noon on Monday, I've gone to the Eagles game if it's a Sunday. And I, I, I'm literally shocked. The lack of respect – Given to AJ Brown, I am. I, I, I'm. If I'm a defense coach, I'm saying that that sucker's getting. He's getting two guys. Last week, I'm vicing him, Jaws. I'm vicing him with I two mean, guys. I'm not, he's not going to be. Never bracket him. I'm it's not letting that guy be me. You know, last week in Washington, the, the rookie comes out there. The, the yeah. first round, Manuel Forbes. Forbes, they blitz right. They put him one on one. I mean, <laughs> it's like it's like take candy from baby. You know, I know. what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm I'm doubling that guy. I'm not blitzing him and putting a rookie on there who toasted him the first matchup of the season. Yeah. So, but I, I I'm going there and say, guys, this guy's the hottest receiver in the NFL right now. He's breaking all kinds of records. I'm double covered. I don't care what I get. If I got to walk a linebacker out, if I got to bring a safety down and play underneath, I'm not letting that guy go for 135 yards on us. Hey, Joseph, get back to the Cowboys for a second. the The idea when they, when they look good and you know their defense causing turnovers like everything else, they they look almost, you know, unstoppable. But then the flip side is there's a bit of front runner because when they get in those tough moments, they seem to will. Is that one of their attributes that they need to, to overcome? Yeah, I, I think there's a certain arrogance that the Cowboys have, but that's okay. You know, I, you got to be cocky. You got to, but the minute they win two games, they're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I think that, that video may, it may come from Jerry a little bit because that's how Jerry is. And, and I, to me, that's kind of cool when you got an owner that just believes in it so strong, but he, to me, does cross the line. I think I think players begin to believe that. You know, they, they come out strong. They win 40 to nothing. Oh, hell, we're going to the Super Bowl after, like, week one. Yeah. And, and that that's kind of a cowboy mentality. And, and, and I think Mike is trying, Mike McCarthy, head coach, is trying to, to build a certain mentality in that team. Hey, we won two games for We're playing really good. Well, it doesn't mean squat. It means nothing. You know, Dak, you're playing great. It means nothing. What are you going to do this week against Philadelphia? Whatever you've done in the past is the past. Just put that in your memory bank, remember all the positive, and move forward. I, I always think there's a part of the Cowboys that's a little bit arrogant that the worry come in and kick your ass. Jaws, if you were broadcasting this game back in the day, Monday Night Football, you're you're doing the game at, at uh, Lincoln Financial Field, 425 on Sunday night, and you and Mike Tirico are coming on camera talking to the nation. What's your open in this game, Jaws? How are you selling this game? Obviously, the Eagles could take command of the NFC East if they win. Dallas jumps right on their tail if they win. How are you selling this in your one minute that you get yeah, on TV? I, I, almost what I said a few moments ago. 
You got the, the hottest receiver in the National Football League. Six straight games. First time in history anyone over 125 yards in six straight games. A.J. Brown. You must stop A.J. Brown, period. Dan Quinn, you better come up with a, a plan. You better come up with a scheme that could shut him down. You got you, to You're not going to shut him out. We always have to take the push. We got to shut him out if we want to win. Make Devontae Smith beat us. Make Dallas Goddard beat us. And they may. They may do that. But A.J. Brown is not going to win. And yep. right now, Jalen has so much freaking confidence in him. I mean, there, there are times he's throwing in the double coverage. That one handed catch was double coverage, yeah. literally. Yeah. The corners, the corners sagged underneath because the tape was coming over the top. All plays was perfect. The catch was ridiculous. Just ridiculous. But now I'm, I'm going to make him make those kind of catches to beat me. That'd be my opening for Monday Night Football. I love it, Jaws. <laughs> hey, real quick, Jaws, because you brought up uh, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Laurie, and and you look at where the Eagles are atop of the NFC, and you know this amazing run is the way it's been. Uh, I mean, Howie has done such a marvelous job at sustaining and and keeping them. You know, there's been no mistakes and contracts. I mean, you're you're a guy that understands how a building works. How important has that been for that Eagles run? Well, it, 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 as I said earlier, it's probably the, the maybe outside of the coach, the most important aspect of winning in an organization. And you know, we all remember when Chip kicked him out of the building and you know relegated him to the the, the bathroom office. What all he did was he went and studied over in Europe. Yep. He studied soccer teams there, not 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 the X's and O's per se. But how they they're structured from a management standpoint, how they operate from a management standpoint. So he wasn't just sitting around. He went uh, to the NBA and met, met with a lot of their general managers to learn. I, I spoke to Howie about this a lot. You know, what, what did he do and how it went on? And he went and studied other teams, other sports, how to build an organization, not for a one year wonder run, but how to build a team Sustain. for long term longevity to win numerous Super Bowls. And he's on that track right now. And Baldy mentioned, you know, the way he's managed his money. He always comes up with money. I don't know how the hell he does it, but he's always <laughs> at the trade deadline. All right, there's no money. He finds a way to get it done. He gets, as we talked about, with Jalen getting him signed early. But I, I think Howie clearly right now is the best general manager in the league. And this team is poised for a long run. They're in the hunt now. They're going to be in it for, as, as I see it, for the foreseeable future now. They ought to have a crystal ball, but you look how this team is built. There's three or four guys that will probably be gone at the end of this year. But they've they've got the they've got the re replenishments already lined up to come in. Yep. What was the name of the play call with Wilbert? I write slot split forty seven slant on two. On <laughs> two. Yeah. That's Go a <clears throat> And I uh, still see Wilbert running into that end zone. Yeah. And he was going down, and I just remembered up like this because I did once Wilbert got to the defense. Yeah, line, yeah, it was over. It was over. Yeah. Number That's beautiful, Jaws. Jaws, thanks, brother. Yeah, thanks. you are the greatest. Hey, man, again, man. Love being with you guys. All right, Jaws. Reed Locker, you're coming All back. Right, guys. All right, man. Hey, buddy. All right, man. All right, so Eagles-Cowboys, not only the uh, – there's two other great games and make great matchups. The rematch, mm -hmm. Bills-Bengals. All right, let's go back to the playoff okay. game. All right, now it's snowing. It's you're in Buffalo. Buffalo, and – the Bengals dominated the line of scrimmage. Yep. They dominated the game. Yep. How did they do it, Baldy? Because physically, they whipped them, you know. And, you know, if you look at the Bills' offense, I mean, that's when Stephon Diggs was all frustrated. They couldn't yeah. get him the ball. 
Couldn't and run the ball. Couldn't run the ball. And so you, you look at the front of Trey Hendrickson and DJ Reader and Sam Hubbard, and you know the, they, they won that line of scrimmage so bad that literally the big offseason acquisition for Buffalo was to go get Connor McGovern at left guard from the Cowboys and go draft Osiris Torrance you know, in the second round out of Florida and to get bigger up front to, like, basically get rid of Motor Singletary and make James Cook the starting yeah. running back. They had to run the ball better. So that was that side of the ball. And then if you look at what Cincinnati did, they ran the ball right at them. They ran the ball right at them. And so that's how they physically controlled the line of scrimmage. And to go into Buffalo – and to see those people, in that weather, it's snowing. It's, it's Bill's weather. weather. It's made for them. Bill's mafia. The whole thing. It's made for it. And they won both sides of the ball. And you know, I, I think the Bills scored ten points in a game for the most part. Like they just couldn't. They couldn't. They played great red zone defense against them. And so that was, you know, that was shocking to Buffalo. And that was, did, you know, people then as soon as that game ended, are the Bills? Do they go as high as they can go? Is this the decline? Does it matter what Josh Allen does? Well, Josh Allen needs help. He can't just um, make these magic plays out of nothing. Like, you have to be able to control the line of scrimmage for some of those plays down the field to happen. Well, this past week, he got it from Shakir. Uh, it was interesting because he's got a big game. Now, Gabe Davis. Uh, he spread the ball around. I, I did. I, I, I love Dalton Gabe. Uh, I think he could be a weapon. Is this Bills team different? And can it, you know, so we talked earlier this week about the Bengals and how the Bengals are back and, and Joe Burrow escaping from Alcatraz. Like, yeah. that was awesome. But we, is this Bills team ready to, to, to win and avenge that loss? Well, I think that um, Dalton Kincaid, he caught a touchdown pass last week. Um, they did get Khalil Shakir involved. He, he targeted him six times, caught all six passes. You know, it seemed like the game plan was made to make sure it wasn't just so Stephon Diggs all over the like yeah. it, everybody got a chance to touch it. Gabe Davis had you know a big game. Diggs got involved in the second half, but I think the big thing for Buffalo is Josh Allen has to be a part of the run game. You know, and Tom Brady criticized him this week. You know, like you're, you're taking too many hits. Josh Allen is. He's a linebacker playing football. He's Jim Kelly. He's just he's just made and built different. You can't legislate against injuries. Quarterbacks get hurt, they get hurt. Josh Allen, if he's a part of the run game, whether it's design runs or scrambles, this offense blossoms. It all opens up. Like they got stopped on on the goal line last week, and you're like, just give, just let Josh Allen take it. Whether it's quarterback, you know, keepers, quarterback sneaks. Quarterback rollouts. Let Josh Allen touch the ball down there. Like I, he could be he's as good as anybody. Loose. That's why he plays loose. He's got. To, he's got. To, he can't worry about that stuff. And I know sometimes he's like, I got to pull it in. I can't be quite so eager yeah. to leave the pocket. Yeah. And he hears some of the noise. But I think Josh Allen realizes they're a better team and a better offense when you have to defend him in the run game. Isn't it interesting? We we talk about these quarterbacks because we all want the mobile quarterbacks. We all want those dual threat quarterbacks. We want those guys. And yet, because of the nature of the game, we're quick to say, all right, now you've got to pee in the pocket, right? Yeah. And I, I remember uh, Donovan McNabb went through that, right, yeah. where he tried to become more of a pocket passer, and he was never as good as he was when he was out and yeah. he had the ball. 
Because Josh Allen and Donovan kind of remind there's a little similarities there in that being strong, can yep. both move, good athletes. And, yeah, I mean, what you call Donovan had a big arm. Allen's got a tremendous arm. But they need almost a freelance. When you put him in a box, it's, it's well, something if, if you look at uh, – if you go back and watch the throw last week from Josh Allen to Dalton Kincaid for a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, it's classic Josh Allen. Like, you know, he rolls out and he feels the pressure. He gets outside the pocket, but his eyes are down the field. And Dalton Kincaid was coming from the other side of the field and then saw kind of a soft spot and sat down and Josh, like, flipped it to him and then he finished it into the end zone. But if Josh Allen doesn't get out and he doesn't extend the play and he doesn't buy time and play that game beyond the X's and O's, if he doesn't do that, that throw never gets made and they don't score. Yeah. Hey, Josh Allen, I, I, I still like him a lot. I mean, he still made one of the most eye-popping throws that I remember. It was a Monday night. It's Foxborough. It, the wind was howling. I don't know if you remember the throw. It's along the oh, sidelines. Yeah. And he cut it through. Like, he cut it through the wind like he had a freaking cleaver. Yeah. A meat cleaver <laughs> yeah. since we're yeah. in a meat locker. Well, you know, look, I mean, the one of the – first of all, we are our, we're in the entertainment business, okay? We, we want to be entertained. Quarterbacks entertain us. I love Josh, quarterbacks, yeah. I know you do. And, and, like, Josh is one of those guys. Like, we pay money to watch Josh. If I'm announcing the game on Sunday and I'm doing the Eagles-Buffalo game in a couple weeks here, like, you put Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen at, at their best on a football field, literally, there's other things to talk about. But it's going to kind of go back to the two quarterbacks making plays. So, you know, you, we think about the playoff matchup in overtime, Buffalo and Kansas City. You know, it's one of the great games of all time. Um, you know, you see the agony and the ecstasy oh. of the game. You, you know, there's, there's Patrick Mahomes on his way to a Super Bowl. And there's Josh Allen sitting on a bench like, what just happened? You know, so, you know, they changed the rules and everything after that, you know, in overtime. But you know, Josh Allen has just got this, you know, first of all, he's just this fun-loving guy. Like, he's got a personality. Bill's Mafia loves him. He loves the city. He endears himself to the city. Like, he's just that guy that you want to you root for. You just have to root for him, whether you like Buffalo or you don't like Buffalo. You have to root for Josh Allen. Did the mill? Did the Bills miss Dable? Uh, I think. Well, you know, I think his. Um, they probably do to a point, but you know, you can't keep these guys. You have to get the next guy ready to go. Right. So they they've done that, but I think the offense is always changing. Like if you look at even if you look what Sean McDermott's doing. Like, you know, if you say, is Buffalo a contender? They are, but they lost Matt Milano. Like, that's not an easy guy to lose. They lost Tredavious White. That's why they went and re-signed or signed and, and got Rasul Douglas at the trade deadline. He's a zone corner. He's a very good zone corner. He's yeah, got, that's Sean's scheme. He fits Sean's scheme perfectly. He fits the scheme perfectly. So I think it was important to get that. Terrell Bernard's been outstanding at middle linebacker. Von Miller's going to come back and get healthy for the second half of the season. And that was the other issue. Remember, no Von Miller in that playoff game. True. That was a huge injury. To so Von knows. The one thing, I remember asking Von um, at training camp last year when he first went there. And I asked him, I said, you know, because they had drafted Greg Rousseau and they drafted these young guys. And I said, so, you know, what do you see from Greg? Like, is it, have you taught him any moves? Like, uh, how are you, are you training him in pass rush? He goes, 
Actually, I'm not doing any of that balding. You know what I'm trying to teach them? I'm trying to teach them what it's like and how important it is to know that the periods of a game when you got to take the game over. Like Von Miller at the end of the Super Bowl beating out, you know, beating the Rams or, or beating Cincinnati. Like, like understanding when the game is where you got to make the play. You know, Reggie had that, you know, Warren, Warren Sapp had that. Like certain guys just have that ability to take games over. Miles Garrett's learning that. But I think that's interesting to me that Vaughn's working with these guys. All right, it's third and ten, it's fourth quarter. There's like there's just certain moments. Yeah, it's great to get that sack in the first quarter, but it's better if it's yeah. two minutes to go in a game and you close the game out. Yeah, yeah, no, without a doubt. Uh, we talk about that game, Bills Bengals Sunday night football. We talked about Eagles Dallas four twenty five. Yeah, and that uh, that it, it's great because we turn the clocks back. Okay, all right, this weekend, right? Yeah. So fall behind, right behind four twenty five is where it'll start to get dark. Early in the first quarter, ominous, cold, our first frost this week. This is football. <laughs> All right. Now, the other matchup I want to talk about is Sunday morning, the European series going on. First game in Frankfurt, Germany. And it's a great game. It's e- it's it, uh, Dolphins and Chiefs yep. uh, from Frankfurt. First of all, you, Baldy's a world traveler. All right. You've spent... Well, I lived in Frankfurt. I lived in Frankfurt for a year. Well, for three months doing NFL Europe games in 1999. And so I was Where in the apartment. There was... Uh, we had this uh, big... All of us at Fox, we we're all stationed in this apartment complex outside of the city, uh, Offenbach. We were in Offenbach, Germany. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the coffee was horrible. We, we, we got our coffee from McDonald's. McDonald's had, you know... Like German really? coffee was awful, so we'd go to McDonald's and uh, we'd like get ourselves a big coffee. No, it's horrible. So we we went to McDonald's get our coffee, and we'd come over on Tuesdays, and we'd go over to the Frankfurt Galaxy Complex, and we'd sit down. Me, Bill Moss, a bunch of guys. We'd sit. Uh, uh, I think Moose Johnson was over there. A lot of there. beats. Yeah, a lot of me. We'd sit there and drink our coffee, watch the films of the week, and kind of get up to date on you know who was playing like. Uh, Jake DeLone was over there yeah. playing for Frankfurt that year. Yeah. So we were, you know, we were watching the games. But, you know, we, how was the beer? It's, it's ridiculous. It's so fresh. They had this, we, we oh, used to I eat at this that. restaurant in Frankfurt all the time. It's called the, uh, the Steiner House, the Hot Stone. Oh, and oh, I like so, it already. So what they did was they had like uh, the salad bar. You get all the salad. But your meat, they would serve it. You'd get a hot stone, right? And oh, you'd get you get your, call. like, it was like, you know, it was like the temperature, like you could yeah. melt clay, you know, melt steel on this thing. So you'd get your meat or your fish or your shrimp, whatever, and you would put it on the stone. You're cooking yourself right there. With You'd have like a big old quart stein of, of beer right there. And Let's go! Like you're having like 10 people at a table. And everybody's got their hot stone going. We're cooking our meat. We're, we're throwing our beers back. Like that place. Can we get one for the office? We could get a hot stone. Oh, yeah. Well, we need like, a, you know, we need like real German beer, though, you know, oh. and we need a like a real Hofbrau house. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, awesome. that that Steiner house, like that was legendary. I, that, I'm, I'm in. Let's go. So this is a, it's a great idea, I think, for the NFL to add in Germany, right? Well, because- I always thought like Germany should have been the number one spot. 
yeah. because of the fan base. We had all of the the military there, and yeah. like all the military bases. So there was like a, a lot of expats that were there to begin with. But, you know, they, they, they had two original teams in both Dusseldorf and Frankfurt. And Waldstadion was in, was in Frankfurt. And they, they renovated all the stadiums for World Cup in, in uh, you know, back then in 2006. And it was, it was just, it, the fan bases were just unbelievable. Like they had these power parties that went on hours before the game. They stayed hours after the game. They wanted the American feel of like tailgating. That's so all. Kids were getting their faces painted up, and it was a big deal. I did the final game in Frankfurt in 2007. It was the World Bowl game. I'll never forget it. I did the game with Bob Papa for NFL Network, and I'll never forget the atmosphere of that statement. It was 55,000 sellout. The, it was just. You could, I could still feel the energy leading up to it, and you know the national anthem and and all the stuff that they did. Uh, it was a phenomenal setting, and uh, that that was that turned out to be the final game. And I look, they went over to London, they went to Mexico, they went to different places, but they should have always been playing games in Germany. Yeah, I, I listen. I'm with you. I I, I think it's a, a great setting. It's that Bundesliga. Yeah. All right, Bayern Munich and Dortmund and yeah, like that. They're big sports people, and it's felt like football. You know that obviously. Well, even when they played a game in Munich last year, Tom Brady was like, you know, Tampa was over there, and he was blown away by just the atmosphere. That you know, Tampa had a great game that day. Yes, but but you know, they were all commenting on just just how impressive, and that's Munich. Munich's a great town, great. Frankfurt city, yeah. but Frankfurt is, you know, we used to say the best thing about Frankfurt, it's a great place to change planes. You got Frankfurt on mine, the, you know, the airport there, uh, Lufthansa's base there, but this, this, uh, this setting for, and I think it's the best game that they've had in Europe. I think Miami, Kansas city with what Miami is doing, what Kansas city has done with having Mahomes on one side to like, I think it's the best matchup. They've had in Europe. Oh my God, this matchup is sick. Think about this, right? You got Waddle and Hill, yeah, against Snead McDuffie, yes, right. Like, I mean, it's ugly. Mahomes, Kelsey uh, against you that. got star power. It's unbelievable. You got you got first place teams. Andy McDaniel, yeah. like it's it's a great. It's there's a, you could as analyst, you know, you're getting ready for the game. Like, there's so many things to look at within these two teams. How are you going to slow down? How do you slow down? You know, what what Tyreek Hill with over 1,000 yards receiving already, what Tua is doing, number one rated quarterback in the league, what Waddle can do. Like, if he does, if Waddle scores and he does the Waddle in the end zone, the whole city in Frankfurt is going to be doing yeah, the Waddle. Yeah, no, Every German yeah, kid's yeah. going to be doing the Waddle. They all want to copy it. That's awesome. All right. It, that matchup is going to be the matchup of the game. Going up against one of our dear friends, yes, the great Spag, Steve Spagnolo, whose cover three, yes, is still on your board. He drew this up. Now I need you to be Professor Baldy, all right, and explain to everybody the cover three and Spags is cover well, three. Well, the interesting thing is Spags coached in Frankfurt. Yeah, he he coached over there, and then the year before he went to Kansas City, he was out of coaching for a year, and so he would come over to NFL Films here. And he would 
you know, Spag spent a year literally studying the college game. He wanted to see how they tempo, formations, speed of the game, because he knew that was all coming to the NFL. So, you know, we, we, by the way, during that period, he had no friends because he's, <laughs> he's coaching, right? Right. So I was his only friend. <laughs> well, we would come and you know, his wife Maria was yeah, in Philadelphia. And we would go to Chickies and Pete's, and I would drive. <laughs> yeah. So, but here, here's the cover three, okay? And so, you know, the idea is you're going to be three deep, okay? And they, the three deep, the safety and the two corners, are going to be responsible for a third of the field, all right? So you want to keep every, the, the corners, you don't want anything wider than you or deeper than you. And you don't want anybody deeper than your free safety. So you literally want to build a three-man umbrella around what's coming at you. So if you imagine Tyree Kill on one side and Waddle on the other side, and they're running what, what Spags would say is these speedo routes, these combination speedo routes where they're trying to get vertical as quickly as possible. And there's probably some kind of play action to kind of just buy time. Right. And a deep drop by, by Tua. And what you're trying to do from a zone standpoint um, is try to keep the blocker. You're trying to keep you're trying to keep these guys coming down the field in front of you. So you're gonna have you're gonna have Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie as the corners. And you're gonna just be dropping, you know, uh, you know, and and keeping those guys in front of you so that when Tua turns around, all we see is a safety over the top and these corners running on the outside and keeping everything inside of you. Now, the key is these four underneath players. So we call it, you know, the curl flat player, the hook curl, the hook curl, and the strong, you know, so that you're strong and you're weak. Yep. So what they're trying to do is keep everything underneath, and then eventually, as the ball is being thrown, like they're going to expand into these zones to really shrink the field and shrink the deep, to keep things underneath. And that's kind of the, the mentality right here. So, you know, you can get and, – and, and like the Patriots played this the first time they played uh, the Dolphins. You know, Tyree Kill had five catches for 40 yards. They had one explosive play the whole day. And that's really what, what any defensive coordinator is doing. There's two, two things that a coordinator wants. They want takeaways and they want to, to limit the number of explosive plays. Yep. If you get an explosive play, cuz, on any given series, you almost always get a score, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. If you get multiple explosive plays, like you flip field position, and that's really what Miami's offense is based on. Now, they can run the ball as well as anybody with what they do with all their motions and shifts. And so you want to limit the run, and that's Chris Jones and, you know, that's, you know, Travell Wharton and all those guys up front. But then they want to get the play-action passes game down, and they want to get the deep shots. And this zone, the way that Steve teaches it, is really limits – the number of big throws you can get over the top. So how do you now? Because Hill's speed is really the great negator, mm -hmm. right? Like we talked about the Sean Jackson earlier with 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 Charles when he drops the ball in the game, but he can run through a cover too. Like the one thing about Deshaun is that that blazing speed. Hill presents that same challenge even more because he's such a really good route runner as well. What do you do with that cover three? And we're what kind of what are you going to do with your so here, so what here's what you here's what you have right here okay so if you just have a basic lineup here right and you have 
Waddle out here, okay? And then you have Tyreek here as your Z. And you run this motion across like this, okay? And then what will happen is you'll have Waddle running this post, and you'll have this coming down, and you try to attack the cover three there where really this corner has to make a decision, all right? Am I staying more with this vertical of, of uh, Tyreek right here, or am I starting to come over here? And so they try to run these speedo routes getting vertical down the field like this right here. And so then it's a question of, all right, does, does 95, does Chris Jones get through here and affect Tua right now? But they love this motion with Tyreek right here. Yeah. And sometimes he'll sit it down right here, and Tua will read it. Sometimes he'll keep going vertical, and, you know, it's, and, and then it's just a go route over the top. So those are some of the things that they do off of that play action, max protection, that kind of a thing. Uh, listen, this is going to be an incredible matchup. That's going to be one worth getting up early for. Yes. I mean, how about it? 9.30 start. I mean, it's, it's like, so take us through the games right here. you got 9.30, you're in Germany. Yep. Okay, that atmosphere, NFL Network's doing a game. Rich Eisen, Kurt Warner, they'll all be over there. Um, and then you get the 1 o'clock games. Like, I'm doing Baltimore and Seattle. Which is a great it's game. It's a great game. That's, first that's place the team. best 1 o'clock game out there. It, it, again, you got a really dynamic offense yep. against a great defense, and Lamar's playing incredible. Yeah, I mean, Lamar's playing at an MVP level, and they're going to see a young Seattle team that's in first place in the NFC West right now at five and two. The winner really takes control of their divisions. Baltimore wins; they're still on top of the AFC North. Um, you know, if Seattle wins, they kind of like separate themselves because San Francisco's got a bye week. Yeah, yeah, they get to six and two. Yeah. You know, and so the winner takes control of the division. The loser's still right in it. But I think these are two teams that are going to get better as the season goes on. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And then you get to 425 Eagles game right here Eagles. in Philadelphia. Cowboys. And then Buffalo-Cincinnati. I mean, you can't leave your team no, I, this Sunday. No, it, it's incredible. And uh, real quick, last night, just to cover it, because I love quarterbacks, Will Levis. It's amazing. He couldn't beat out Clifford. Will Levis at Penn State. Yes. I I really, I was impressed. Forget the four touchdowns from his debut last week. He stood tall. That's a tough play. Short week in Pittsburgh against that defense. And, 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 and T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, and, and Cam Hayward up front, they hit him 11 times. They hit him 11 times, and he still came down. 2016, he takes him down the field. There's 11 seconds to go. He's taking a shot to the middle. It got intercepted by Quan Alexander, his first interception. But he was going to win it. Like, I remember just talking. I was talking to Kurt Warner this week. And we're talking about quarterback play. And nothing bothers him more, okay? It's third and 13, and you throw a one-yard check down to the sideline. And you're punting. He goes, I'd rather throw five interceptions than to throw that ball to the sideline and give us no chance. Like, he, th he threw it to win it. So, it got intercepted. Okay, great. No, it's not great, but I'm saying there's 11 seconds left. There's no timeouts. I'm taking the shot to win the game. Like, I, I like that aggressiveness about the kid. You're not going to go through your career without throwing interceptions. But I like the fact that, that you see this all the time where you're like, that play does you no good to win a game to the sideline. Right. Like, you got to go take a shot. Take the shot. You need a touchdown to win it. Take the shot. But the kid played good. Yeah. Played really good. He impressed me because Hart's quarterback – Andrew, I, I do. I love quarterback play. 
Oh, by the way, Pickens, come on, dude. You got to keep your feet bounced. Come on, man. Like, Drag it's a toe that. tap. It's a toe tap. Like, that was disappointing because he's a good player. He is. But, like, that's just a careless. You got to, all, all receivers have to know where you're at on the field, and you get a chance to, to get your toes down and get in bounds and get a touchdown and take the lead. That's a four point play. You end up not getting the touchdown. You got to kick a field goal. That's a four point play. Yeah. Well, listen, you enjoy Baltimore. Yeah. All right. Uh, Football. Enjoy it all day. Sunday. We'll see you on Monday to talk about it. We all city like the mayor.